We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series that's called, Called, Here I Am, Send Me, based on Isaiah chapter 6. And today Pastor Sean Azaro has a question for you. How would your future be improved if you knew for sure that your greatest need could be fulfilled by Jesus. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message, Woe is Me. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah and the book of Acts. It's time for Radio for Real Life. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You can use the, you can use the app. I mean, we've got notes in the bulletin. You can use the app. But this is something that we got to, before we can really process our calling, we're going to have to deal with this. And, he, and here's what the prophet would tell us, okay, what he learned, what he experienced in this. Before I can answer my call, I have to address my need. See, the fact is, God's about to call him, and there is no way he's in a place to respond to the calling of God in his life. Because he's basically in a heap saying, woe is me, I'm undone, because he sees his need. And I think every one of us has to go through this process. Before I can answer my call, I have to address my need. Because in God's presence, one of the things that automatically happens is we do get a vision of ourselves, and our need becomes obvious. And this is something that a lot of us avoid, and it's because of the problem of pride. And pride is the kind of the core, the root of the sin nature. It's just the way it works. Pride is that thing, and there's two kind of sides to the pride coin, if you will. The first side is the one that puffs up and says, you know, I've really got it together. It's kind of, even before the Lord, it's kind of like, almost like, God, you're lucky to have me, you know? I don't know anybody that clueless to say that. I've never heard somebody actually say that God's lucky to have me. But it kind of can creep in. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's the comparison game. I start looking, kind of, God starts cleaning up some things in my life. He starts empowering me to do some things. I begin to get some victory in some areas. And all of a sudden, pride can creep up. And it's like, I'm doing pretty good. The flip side of that pride is when my pride is damaged or wounded. Someone wounds my pride. And I, I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to, I disqualify myself. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with anybody. The point is, they're both centered on me. Pride is always about me. It's always focused on self. And that pride is the problem. Jesus told a story similar to that, remember? Talking about two men who were up at the temple praying. One was a tax collector sinner. And he said he just couldn't even look up. He just beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The other was a religious leader, a Pharisee. And he looked over and said, God, I thank you. I'm not like that guy. 
said, I, I fast. I keep the law. I tithe. I do all the stuff, God. And Jesus said, which man do you think actually went away justified? And of course, the answer was the repentant man. The man who humbled himself. The man who in God's presence saw himself as he really was. Because isn't that what we're talking about? I want to suggest that before I can answer my call, I have to address my need. And in this passage with the prophet Isaiah, he shows us three different ways, three different keys to addressing our need. Let's take a look at them. First one, I address my need through the humility of repentance. I address my need through the humility of repentance. What's going to happen when we get into the presence of the Lord and we see him high and lifted up and exalted? We have a choice. Either we can pretend, we can posture, we can kind of put on a little song and dance, a little show, or we can honestly recognize in his presence, his holiness, his righteousness, that, Lord, I'm a sinful man, and apart from you, I am lost, I am ruined, and I am undone. It's the humility of repentance. There's a passage of scripture we quote a lot when it comes to prayer. It's Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. Who says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Interesting that these are connected. We focus on the prayer, but this humility is so critical. Will humble themselves and pray. Do you know it's possible to pray without humbling yourself? It's possible to pray actually even in arrogant ways. To demand of God. To claim things from God that, that you don't have a right to. One of the worst kinds of pride is the pride of being a person of prayer. We can, we can come to prayer with a prideful attitude. I pray more than anyone else. I'm better at prayer. I'm the prayer police. He says, you don't know, he says, humble themselves and pray. That's the prayer of the, repent, of the penitent tax collector, the sinner. God be merciful to me, a sinner. If my people will do that, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And look, this phrase, turn from their wicked ways. Here's the promise. He says, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. See, humble themselves and pray. Humility recognizes my need. Humility isn't some sort of groveling. You know, we think sometimes of humility as, as just, oh, I'm terrible, there's nothing good in me, and just this groveling that can actually disqualify people. That's not actually humility. Humility recognizes honestly who I am in the presence of a holy God. That's what humility really is. It sees God and recognizes, okay, you are God and I'm not. Because in so much of our lives, we, we want to be God. We want to call the shots. We want to lead. We want to do what we want to do. And humility is that thing that says, yeah, no, you're God and, and I'm not. And see, humility reveals our desperate need for him. It reveals the fact that apart from him, we are lost. On our best day, our righteousness, our best righteousness is like filthy rags. That's what humility does. If they'll humble themselves, and then that turn from their wicked ways is the repentance part. See, I address my need through the humility of repentance. And you know what repentance is. Repentance is when I'm walking along in my own way, my own strength, kind of my own arrogance, and I have this kind of sense that, you know, I'm doing pretty good, I'm calling the shots, and all of a sudden I begin to see the fruit of that. I begin to see 
Maybe I get a vision of him. Or maybe I start to see the damage that me being God in my own life causes. How I hurt God, how I hurt myself, how I hurt people around me. Maybe I start to recognize that. Repentance is that act of saying, oh God, I don't want that anymore. And I turn from my way to his way. That's what it means to repent. To say it is to confess. Repent actually means to turn. I am turning in my thinking. I'm turning in my actual behavior. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't stumble. But there is a sense in my heart that, God, I don't want my way anymore. My way led to death. My way led to relational hurt. My way created problems. And I don't like the fruit. God, I want your way. And I repent and I turn. And I humble myself before him. That's what repentance is. See, one of the things we lament in the church today is that sometimes we don't want to hear about repentance. Often we don't talk about repentance. Well, that's a big mistake if that's true. It's like, yeah, but we prefer to hear about the love of God. And I want to hear the destiny God has for me and the joy of the Spirit. Tell me about that, Sean. And all those things are true, by the way. But the fact is, when Jesus came... He was baptized by John. He was taken by the Spirit in the wilderness, tempted by the enemy. He came back. He began his public ministry. Do you know what his very first message was? This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he didn't say he preached at one time. He began to preach. In other words, this was a theme all throughout Jesus' ministry. Repent. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from the sin that's hurting you and hurting others around you and come, come to the Father. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God does have a destiny. He loves you. He has an amazing plan that he wants to fulfill in your life, but it cannot even begin until we repent. That's the truth. The first thing Jesus preached was repent. And, and here's the thing. Some people are like, yeah, but I don't like that. That doesn't feel as good. Tell me, tell me some of the good stuff, Sean. Here's the reality, and I want you to hear this. You will never be able to appreciate the good news until you fully understand the bad news. Okay? You, you, you can't even process the gospel, which is the good news. It won't make sense to you unless you fully understand and are aware of the bad news that, woe is me, I am lost. I've used the illustration with you before. I've told you. It's like if I drove up to your house and I had a huge moving truck and I walked up to your door and I was so happy and I came and I handed you the keys and I said, don't worry about it. It's all paid for. Just you use it. It's yours. God bless you. And you look at me and hold the keys like, um, but I'm not moving. <laughs> no, Sean, that's awesome. Thank you. But we're not going anywhere. I, I'm not moving. No, but it's paid for you. Don't worry about it. It's yours. You just use it. Yeah, but um, I'm not going anywhere. I don't need a moving truck. Oh, I forgot to tell you the bad news. The bad news is, and this is 100% confirmed, guaranteed, within two days, there's going to be a huge hurricane, and there's going to be flooding. Your neighborhood is going to be under six foot of water. Guaranteed. How do you like my truck now? <laughs> See, that's the point. All, the bad news gave the good news context. See, I can come to people and say, you know, Jesus saves, man. He wants to save you. And if they're sitting there going, I don't need to be saved from anything. I'm good. Thank you very much. No, no, I'm good. Thank you. I'm sure somebody needs that as a crutch, but not me. I'm good. You see, that's a person who's never stood before a holy, righteous God. And they've never recognized their need. They've never acknowledged their need, that they need a Savior. That God has planted something amazing in them, but sin has deteriorated it. Sin is a barrier that keeps us from what God has. They've missed that. And until they come to that place 
where they recognize they need a savior. The gospel doesn't make any sense to people. It's foolishness. It's like a moving truck to someone who's not going to move. Before I can answer my call, I have to address my need, and that begins by addressing it through the humility of repentance. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in the series called Here I Am, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And if you've been blessed by this program and want to do something good, your financial gift helps this radio ministry encourage others just like you. Again, find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to the message, Woe is me. This is radio for real life. A second thing, second key is I address my need with the confidence of forgiveness. I address my need with the confidence of forgiveness. I want to say to you, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, you've asked him to forgive you, you've embraced that gift that he offers, you are forgiven. Let me say it again. You are forgiven. Remember what the prophet experienced? This is verse 7. We just read it. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Not might be. It is taken away. And your sin atoned for. Not might be atoned for. It is atoned for. It's truth. Some of you need to walk in the confidence of forgiveness. Some people are just qualifying themselves. Look what 1 John 1, 1.9 says. If we confess our sins, if we're honest about it, like the prophet did, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some, not most, except for that big one that you kind of got to live with. All of it. We need to understand this. We need to understand how complete God's forgiveness is. I love what Isaiah wrote earlier in chapter 1, verse 18. He said, come now, let us settle the matter. Oh, I love that phrase. Let's get this settled. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet. Your sins are like scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Some of us go around, it's like, well, if my sin is like scarlet, and I know God forgave me, but basically the best I can hope for is kind of a dirty pink. You know, yes, he's cleaned me up, he's forgiven me, but it's still there. And we walk around like that. God, I want to serve you. I know you're, I feel like you're calling me to do that. I feel like you're calling me to say yes in the yes campaign or to serve in an area or to serve in my community. You're you're calling me to do something, but God, you remember what I did. 
You know what the Bible says when we go to God? God, you know I, I blew it like that and I can never. You know, the scripture says that God, he's thrown your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and he doesn't remember them anymore. And you're like, wait a minute, he's omniscient. How can he not remember? I don't know. He's also omnipresent, so I guess he can do it. All I know is the scripture says, when you come to him and say, God, you know I always do this, and you know, and God's like, no, 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 no. What I, look at, I look at you, and I see sin that's been forgiven. I see someone who's been set free. I see someone who's been made clean because of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the deal. My righteousness in him is not about my ability to do good. It is about his ability to do good and give his life for me. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Scripture says our sin creates a death penalty. Sin, the penalty of sin, the wages of sin, the Scripture says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the reality. There is this death penalty that is just and right. And so Jesus Christ comes, God in the flesh. He lives a sinless life. No sin of his own. What that means is no death penalty of his own. He is a pure sacrifice. And he steps up and says, I will pay their death penalty, God. For any who will put their trust in me, I'll pay their death penalty. And an innocent Savior gives his life and pays the penalty, satisfies justice for a lost and sinful person like me. And it's done. That means it's done. My salvation, my standing in Christ, my standing before the Father is not in my righteousness, it's in his. Isn't that awesome? He totally satisfied justice, because if God weren't just, he wouldn't be good. If you're unjust, that's not good. He totally satisfies justice, but at the same time, he can fully extend mercy and grace to you and I. That's just brilliant and awesome, and I love that. That's the gospel. But some of you here are still kind of this, it's like that cold touched your lips and you're like, well, you know, but I still got the guilt. You need to let go of that guilt. He says this has removed your guilt. You have been touched. Your sin has been forgiven. Your guilt is removed. And you need to walk in that freedom. I find it fascinating that he touched him in the area of his confession, touched his lips. I think if he would have said, I'm a man with sinful hands, he would have touched his hands. A man with sinful feet touched his feet. But he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he touched him in that area of confession, that area of need. Some of you are here and, and you, you've accepted Christ as Savior. And I want to say, you need to live in that forgiveness. You need to let, that, let him forgive you. And you need to then forgive yourself and be complete in him. Some of you are here, maybe you've never even dealt with that. You've never, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard the gospel kind of phrase like that, and you're like, I, I, I've never prayed that. I, I, I've never done that, kind of taking care of that with God. I, I want to say to you right now, you can this morning. I want to encourage you. Don't put it off. He wants to set you free. He does have an amazing life for you. He does have an incredible destiny for you. But it's on the other side of repenting and being forgiven by him. And so I want to, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're here, and maybe you've never asked him to forgive your sins, You've never surrendered your life to him. I want to invite you to do that. You can do that this morning. Or maybe you did this set of prayer when you were a kid or years ago, but you've never walked that out. I want to encourage you. Today, that can change. So I'm going to say a simple prayer, and if that's you, I want you just to quietly, between you and the Lord, pray along with me and let him forgive you and set you free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing sacrifice on the cross. 
Greater love is no one than this, and they lay down their life for a friend, and you laid it down for, for someone, Lord, who didn't deserve it in me. None of us deserve it, but Jesus, you did it. You love us. Lord, I am a sinner, and without you I'm lost. I need a Savior. I need you. Thank you that you gave your life on the cross, and I receive that gift. I receive that gift of salvation. Jesus, I invite you into my life, and I invite you to fill me with your spirit and lead me into a different kind of future, because that's your desire. You don't just want to forgive me of the sins of the past. You want to come and lead me in a different kind of future, and I invite you to do that. Come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. Lead me, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for this gift. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Scripture says you're a new creation. And I want to ask you to do one thing, please. If you will, if you will take the little card that we have in the bulletin. If you'll just, if you prayed that prayer, please don't just kind of keep it to yourself and not say anything. This is a way to be accountable to someone. Okay? So if you'll just fill that card out, check the box that says I committed my life to the Lord, or maybe it was a recommitment, I recommitted my life to Jesus. Will you do me a favor and, and take that? If you take it to the, the Welcome Center, they'll take care of you right now. They've got some resources. The reason we, we, we get that is we want to give you some resources that are kind of like, okay, what now? How do I begin to walk this out? How do I begin to follow Jesus? Okay, but if that's a little too intense, you can put it in the offering box. There's going to be some folks down here praying. You could bring it to one of them. And they'll pray with you and just help you begin to take that next step. Because Jesus does have an amazing journey ahead for you. And it all begins today. See, eternal life doesn't begin after you die. It begins the minute you become a follower of Jesus Christ. And for some of you, that began today. And that makes this an awesome day. I'm just grateful for Jesus. See, before I can answer my call, I have to address my need. Last way that the prophet would tell us we can address our need is I address my need through the openness of dependence. The underlying this whole idea is that I need him. And I want to say this is not a one-time thing. This reality that he is available, he is present, and I need him is not a one-time thing. Let me tell you something as your pastor. I repent and am forgiven all the time. I repent and am forgiven all the time. I say something that is careless and hurtful, and I'm like, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I think something that is not helpful or is hurtful, and I'm like, Lord, I shouldn't have thought that. Forgive me. That was wrong. I handle something. I'm harsh in an area, or I'm, I'm careless with something, and I recognize it, and the Spirit makes it. And so I repent, and I go, Lord, please forgive me. This is an ongoing thing. I need him every single day. Do you know that? Look what Acts 17, 28 says. This is the, the beginning part of the chapter. It says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. Do you know that's true? His spirit gives us life. I need him every single day. And one of the damaging things that can happen to Christian people is the pride of ministering in the flesh or our human strength. We can actually begin to grow, get some good fruit in our life, and people start to say good things about us, and we can start to believe our own press. And we can start to begin to try to minister in our own strength or in our own flesh with our talent and our smarts. And try to just lean on that instead of depending on him to empower us daily. I think sometimes we have an erroneous and hurtful focus on our qualifications and our resources when it comes to following God with our call. I was at a preaching conference and I heard John Ortberg, who I think is one of the best preachers of our day. Incredible speaker, pastor, author. And he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, he said you know, my best effort in preaching our best effort in preaching he says is like a few little crumbs to a starving man 
is I don't care how good you are, I don't care how talented you are, I don't care how creative you are. The very best we can offer is like crumbs to a starving man. He says what they need is the bread of life. They need Jesus. See, that's true of preachers. That's true of ministers. That's true of doctors, lawyers, bankers, construction workers. It doesn't matter. In the area of life where God wants to use us, we live in a world of people who are starving, desperately in need of something. And our best natural talents, the best we can produce, the best we'll ever produce is human result and human effort. Scripture says he wants to give us a different power because what they need is him. Look what Acts chapter 1-8 says, but you will receive what? Power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, that power comes from him. I need him every day. And so as we talk about pursuing our calling and becoming people of calling and stepping up and, and hearing his voice, here am I. Who will I send? Who will, who will go for us? And, and saying, here am I, send me. When we talk about that, we better understand we are dependent on him every single day. Before I can answer my call, I have to address my need. And Lord, I need you every single day. I want to challenge us to walk in this beautiful confidence of our dependence on him. Does that make sense? confidence, our dependence on him and and his willingness, his desire, his faithfulness to be present, to come through and to empower us with his spirit. That is Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called Called, Here Am I, Send Me. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a ministry of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.